0: To convincing the world that travel through film was not only possible but necessary to survive.
2: Welcome to the first episode of Triple Threat Theater Season 6. This is episode number 61, Love in the Fourth Dimension, and my name is Ryan Miller, and I'm Time Bandit Joe Daxberger. <laughs> Never seen Time Bandits? Me neither. I remember I started watching it once and just was not into it and turned it off. This was oh. many years ago, probably like 15 years ago. That's not like you. I mean, nowadays you'll just, you'll power through anything. Yeah, pretty much. Dang. But uh, I remember I just wasn't feeling that one. It's a cold ass name to be like, oh, I'm a time bandit. <laughs> it's true. Milzy. what are we talking about tonight? Well, we're talking about Love in the Fourth Dimension. Mm. romancy films about true love and all that uh, gross stuff about kissing girls and things, but oh. with uh, a little time travel involved. Mm. I'll say the magic of love with time travel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, would you have thought there were that many movies with this general theme?
3: No. Especially... Not two with the same leading actress.
2: <laughs> I mean, we're gonna we're gonna have to get into that more. Have to because there's more to say. <laughs> yes, about the fact that Rachel McAdams is in both the Time Traveler's Wife and About Time. Two of the three movies we're going to be talking about. And according to the internet, there's also
3: technically two other movies. Oh, which there
2: are is in time travel, <laughs> and there's even more. <laughs> Uh, weirdness about her being in these movies as oh. well. Oh, I can't wait. So, Time Traveler's Wife, uh, from 2009, About Time from 2013, and Your Name from 2016. I had seen all of these, mm. liked all of these. In fact, when I went back and looked, just so happens, I had given all of these five stars on Letterbox when I watched oh. them.
1: Oh,
3: I wasn't expecting that.
2: Yeah, so, uh... How about you? What had you seen? What had you not? Uh, what were your thoughts before this?
3: I was pretty aware of Time Traveler's Wife. I knew that was a thing. For whatever reason, I knew Rachel McAdams was in it. I, don't, I mean, it wasn't even positive I knew Eric Bana was in it. Years ago, potentially on a whim, I watched and loved About Time. Mm-hmm. Huge fan of that movie. It's actually older than I thought it was. When I was watching it for the show, I was like, oh, that was probably like 2017, <laughs> Now it's 2013.
2: Yeah. It's, just... it's uh, going on a decade now.
3: So it's been a been a while since I think it was probably just scrolling or it was on something streaming, and I just watched it probably once I uh, was aware there was a time travel angle. Yeah. And then your name I was not familiar with until one- Ryan Miller Esquire went off wild in the streets about how good this movie
2: Your Name is years back. Yeah, I think I saw it in 2017, which is when it came out in the U.S.
3: Yeah, so it's like always been on my radar. I don't think you might have mentioned it something to do with time, or I might not even have known that until we talked about doing this episode. Yeah,
2: I think that's the way that it went, because I remember gushing about Your Name when I saw it. Mm -hmm. I remember that. And you showing interest in it and me being like, you have to see it. And I think Mm -hmm. I probably had in the back of my mind, he likes About Time. He's probably going to like this, too. Mm. And explicitly not telling you what -hmm. the movie was about. And then when I created this theme, which I think was a pretty early one. I think this was a 78. Yeah. It was like in that first hundred. Yeah. I remember uh, at least this is the way I remember it. That, like, I texted you the idea uh, with, like, the title and then the three movies. And, like, always, you were like, yes, let's do it. And I want to say that you made some kind of comment about, like, not realizing that your name would have fit into this category.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Because all I was ever aware of this movie was that you saw it and loved it. And that was, generally, that's enough for me to go on anyways. but Yeah. Yeah, so I was, like, pretty pumped for this to come up.
2: Yeah, uh... I'm I I kind of like about time is a movie that when I first saw it I absolutely loved it just fell head over heels for it
0: mm. and
2: have not watched again since I first saw it mm. and um I feel like I've just always been meaning to rewatch it yeah. Time Traveler's Wife I can go back and look at my letterboxd review And see how much I loved it when I first saw it. But that one I had forgotten a lot about. Like, it didn't stick with me as much. Like, obviously, you Mm -hmm. know, the title gives most of it away. But I didn't remember all the ins and outs. And then Your Name is one of those movies where I watched it and I really loved it. Couldn't have told you if or when I'd ever get around to seeing it again. Mm -hmm. But um, I know Your Name I watched because it was getting a lot of acclaim the year that it hit the United States. I was just going to ask what
3: made you watch that. I want to say, I saw in my travels that it's like the highest grossing anime in the last X amount of years, potentially all time in box office or something.
2: It is the third highest grossing anime film of all time in Japan. At the time when it came out, it was the second oh, after Spirited Away. But then a movie called Demon Slayer Mugen Train came out <laughs> sometime in the last couple of years, and that's now the highest if that was like a, I don't
3: know, who wants to be a millionaire or something question, like these two were one, two, pick number three, I would never have said like fucking Demon Train. yeah I you could tell have had you anything that, on that board to pick and I wouldn't
2: have picked that one. I can tell you that Demon Slayer is a very popular manga right now because we go through a lot of copies at the comic store. Mm-hmm. Couldn't tell you anything else about it, but I'm assuming Demon, Sl- Demon Slayer Mugen Train is related to it in some way. <laughs> I assume that it's like a... Movie adaptation or something.
3: Let me give a quick sidebar, just real quick, because you're in the industry. How hot in the streets are manga right now?
2: Uh, It's definitely been picking up popularity the last couple of years. Nice. I like it. Okay. Back when I started working at the comic store in 2008, we had a manga section in the back of the store that was pretty big. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, manga definitely has had some ebbs and flows but you know there was that time period like post dragon ball z where people were buying the stuff up and you know there were a couple of other series that were getting really popular but then it really died off for us for a couple of years and Mm. there would always be some series like attack on titan came a couple of years ago and that was hot in the streets for a little while and we were selling tons of those but our manga section had shrunk to like maybe like 10 shelves of manga oh and if people would come looking for anything at all off the beaten path we would honestly tell them to go over and try barnes and noble because they had a bigger manga section than us you know i
3: was just gonna say because i i live about a mile from barnes and noble right now Mm -hmm. and my office that i work at is across the street from said barnes and noble so i'll go there on my lunch break quite often yeah just to peruse and uh Manga section there is literally double the size of the graphic novel section.
2: Yeah, it's it's really big right now. And so oh, yeah. we actually recently reorganized the store and did some renovations and got a whole bunch of new shelving and part of that was we planned in a whole spot for manga. Mm-hmm. And then like right when we decided to do it, like COVID happens and there's like, you know, shipping issues and paper supply shortages, but on top of that One of the, I don't know if you ever heard about this, but one of the, like, main manga, like, manufacturers, there was, like, a huge fire in their building. Oh. And so, like, this building burned down, and then, like... Manga production slowed to a halt because this was, like, one of the, the like, main places that it was produced. And I, ju- I remember the first time I heard about it, people were saying that, and this sounds like a very Japanese thing, like, the building is on fire, alarms are going off, and there's still people, like, sitting at their desks and doing their jobs <laughs> because that's just, like, a just Japanese, like, sense of responsibility or whatever, but... But yeah, all these things happened, and then, like, manga was getting huge, and anime has been getting really big and, like, hitting into the mainstream again. Like, then we just couldn't get the product. But, yeah, Barnes & Noble, like, the one near the comic store where I work, uh they, the way it was laid out, they had um almost this little walled-in section that had all of the, like, CDs and records and then, like, all the DVDs and Blu-rays. And it was a pretty big section But, you know, as physical media, as far as, like, you know, Blu-rays and CDs has been dying, they've moved the manga into that section. So now the, like, Blu-ray section has more manga in it than (laughs) Blu-rays. Oh,
3: wow.
2: Yeah. I feel like, you know, so 2017 wasn't that long ago Mm -hmm. when Your Name hit the U.S., and I remember I watched that movie specifically because it was one of the few instances in recent memory that a anime film was getting a lot of like acclaim and like word of mouth and buzz. And I was hearing it from all these different places. So I was like, well, this one must be good. So I'll watch it and ended up really loving it. But I mean, that doesn't happen that often. Right. Yeah. No, not at
3: all. Like breaking the kind of
2: barrier to be huge here. Yeah. Yeah. And then going back uh, and looking at my review for About Time, because, I mean, I don't know if I knew that the movie had time travel in it or not at the time when I saw it. But, like, I was wondering, like, what was it that made me watch that movie? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I watched it, I think, like the year it came out. Hmm. And in my review, I even say that I watched it on a whim but even so, like, I do that every now and then with, like, a romancy type movie. But,
1: mm-hmm.
2: like, I just can't remember did I, like, had I heard anything about it? Was there a reason I wanted to watch it? But the same thing with Time Traveler's With I mean, even that one, right in the title, you know that it involves mm-hmm. time travel. So I can see a little more why I would have been inclined to watch that. But I don't really remember the circumstances under which I watched that movie. And, you know, I'm I'm game for anything. But it's just less likely that I'm going to pick up you know, whatever right. sappy-looking romance movie and pop it in instead of, you know, some piece of shit horror movie <laughs> no one's ever heard of that I bought for $17 without even knowing what it is from Vinegar Syndrome uh, and little... sitting out on my shelf calling to me at all hours of the day and night. I am hard-pressed to
3: come up with, like, a better scenario than watching a movie on a whim and it ends up being fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that's... That's, like, some of the best stuff you can get with a, watching movies.
2: Yeah, but, I mean, yeah. it's hard to make that happen. Like, that's the perfect oh God, storm yeah. because yeah. if a movie's that good or it's, like, that mm-hmm. in your wheelhouse but you don't know about it and aren't like, looking that's what forward I mean. to it, like, yeah. what are the chances? That's what I mean. Like, yeah, like, just, a, like, some
3: undiscovered gem. Like, how often do we get those anymore? Especially, like, people like us that are just, like, plugged into movies at all times. Yeah. You know? To kind of live for that.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And for me, you know, about time was one of those as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could have very well, like,
1: I feel like I
3: it could have been like after I like moved out and I was like living with my old roommates before I met Megan, to probably just hanging out. Probably was just, you know, could have been the time travel angle. Probably was, but just, you know, we'll get into it about it's like, you know, magical indie sensibilities and all that <laughs>
1: stuff,
2: you know, but. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Well, why don't we uh, go ahead and slip right into our first movie here. Let's do it. So from 2009, we have The Time Traveler's Wife. This is the first time we've ever met. How do you do? How old are you?
1: Ten. How about you?
2: (laughs) Thirty-eight. So tell me about you. I mean, how's school? What are you learning?
1: Well, not much at school, but I read all the time.
2: I read about Egypt, and Mom and I read The Lord of the Rings. And Gramps teach me the violin.
1: And I heard Grandma sing. It was beautiful. At the opera, Aida.
2: But you time traveled?
1: Mom says you and I are exactly alike. Except Dr. Kendrick says I'm a prodigy. Because sometimes I can choose where I go.
2: You can control it. When you go and when you come back. I'm learning. I saw you and Mom walking in the street before I was born. You walked right by me. You were arguing.
0: I bet. Oh, it's so good to meet you, Alba. It's so good to see you.
2: Me too, Daddy. Me too. I've really missed you.
1: How long has it been? How old were you when I died? It's OK. It's five. Five? I'm sorry. I shouldn't have told you. No, no, it's, it's okay. It's okay. I just... I haven't traveled past my own life before. How's <sighs> your mom?
2: She's okay. Sad.
1: Alva, what are you
3: doing? That's my you teacher.
1: Right now.
2: You better go. I don't want you to get in
1: trouble. Come here.
2: Until recently, I don't know if I could have told you that Rachel McAdams was the female lead in this, because I don't think I really knew who she was back when I saw this one. Even though this only came out a couple years before About Time, I think About Time is the one that made me like fall in love with her. Mm-hmm. I, like, I really like her. I think she's incredible at playing just like a really likable, sweet person. Yeah. Which is why, like, I feel like she was so horribly miscast in uh, that season of True Detective that she did.
3: <laughs> where uh, she was, yeah. like,
2: all the characters on that show, just, like, a miserable piece of shit. Yeah, like, gruff and miserable. Yep. Yeah. I actually forgot she was even in that. But between, like, About Time and this, yeah, I just, I, I love her in this kind yeah. of role. And then, like, I was looking her up to be, like, well, what are her other big things? Because I know she's in, like, Doctor Strange, obviously. hmm Uh, Mean Girls is probably her number one, like first big thing, right? Yeah, like that one I saw back when it came out and it was like very popular. Didn't really like it. Don't remember a lot about it. I don't remember her in it. Mm -hmm. Was she she one of the like mean girls?
3: Yeah, she was like the head
2: mean girl. Yeah, like I don't even have like a recollection of her being that young (laughs) in a movie I've seen. Well, it's funny
3: because she's not,
2: I think I remember
3: seeing this too that like she was which which is standard for like high school movies where
2: people are never high school age in them but yep. she might have been like 30 yeah but even mean that Girls. came out in like 2003 or 4 because i remember mm-hmm. watching that during my second year of the cubert school which was like that oh four oh five time frame mm-hmm. um so even that predates the time traveler's wife by a good five years yeah. But yeah, I, I I couldn't have told you that off the top of my head before. But then come to find out, like one of the most talked about beloved, like romantic movies of the last twenty years is the notebook. Oh right. Which I haven't seen and she's the romantic lead in that, like female lead. So I saw I actually I saw the notebook. I don't remember a thing about it,
3: but not thinking it was bad. It was like it was funny, it was back to Mean Girls, like that was Um, a movie like aware of, but like didn't know her as an actress, so it's like didn't even think of it. But I remember she's in, um, I think for me, the first time really noticing her was, um, Wedding Crashers. Mm, That's another one I forgot about. That's, that's like probably the big one for me where it's like,
2: oh, that's her, and then you know, start connecting. See, it's funny, like I don't remember her at all in that movie. When I think of that movie, I think of Isla Fisher. That was the first place I ever saw her.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: Well, um, Rachel McAdams, it's like the, the
2: Rachel McAdams that you like, she's like that in
3: Wedding Crashers yeah. as well. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: I just
2: remember that's another, like, kind of mainstream comedy that I watched and wasn't really into, but I remember, I think, in a smaller role, Isla Fisher, like, jumping off the screen more as, like, a memorable. Because I'm, oh, yeah. I'm guessing Rachel McAdams is, like, the female lead in that. Yeah. Yeah. She's, like, the normal, quote unquote, sister to Isla Fisher's, like, wild child. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's another one that I just like watched and kind of forgot everything about.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So yeah, that kind of character that she plays, yeah. It's, right on. Uh, mm-hmm. And then there's Eric Bana as the male lead and the actual lead of this movie. Who, I mean, I'm guessing, like me, your main point of reference for him is the Angley Hulk. For sure,
3: I don't. This might have been back during when the Hulk was released. I can't remember for sure, but I think I either read or heard a review, and he, he they referred to him as Eric Blanda, mm-hmm. and I've never been able to shake that.
2: Another fun one being generic Banna. <laughs> <laughs> or combine the two for generic Blanda and really rub the salt in the wound.
3: Um, I like him in Troy, which is not a big role for him.
2: Mm. That's another one. I saw it in the theater. I yep. remember nothing about that movie. I
3: took a movie. I liked. I haven't watched it in a long time, but I liked that movie. I have it. That's one of the ones I got on Blu ray for $4 and haven't watched it. But <laughs> Put it in a uh, trio. Yeah, well, there you go. Can't be hard to make a trio around that. Oh, we'll figure something out. And then Munich, which I don't remember anything much about Munich, but I remember thinking he was pretty good in that.
2: Yeah, Munich is another one. I remember watching it. And just not being into it and being kind of bored by it. And I remember almost nothing about it. That's one where I've more actively been like, I should go back and rewatch that. Mm -hmm. I think I'd probably appreciate it more now, but
3: yeah, I cannot remember if I liked the, I just remember thinking he was pretty good in it, but I don't remember if I liked the movie or, or a single thing that happens in it. I remember the premise, but as far as what's in the movie, couldn't tell you anyways. Yeah. He doesn't really do anything for me as an actor. Yeah, I mean mm. he's fine. I guess he's fine. Sure. Yeah,
2: yeah. For for him, it's pretty much the Angley Hulk, which is a movie I do like in defiance of everybody else who likes to shit all over it. Mm. Well, it is terrible. So, uh, put that on the list because I like that movie. We're gonna <laughs> okay. have to talk that one. I some would. Sometime. That, that, that could uh, I could rewatch that. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like more recently, I know it's not that recent now, but uh, Funny People. The like way too long Adam Sandler like sort of comedy that turns into a different movie halfway through. Oh. Yeah. And Eric well, Banna is part of that second half <laughs> after it turns into a, mo- a new movie. Like, Jesus Christ, man, that's another one. It's like, saw it? Don't remember a goddamn thing about it. And then I, I remember at some point on the sidetrack podcast, I think, Jesse and I watched Chopper, which was like the movie that kind of made oh, Eric Banna a name. Yeah, I never saw it, but I know that I know of it. And, yeah, my outstanding memory is not being a big fan of it, so.
3: <laughs> Eric Bana in a nutshell.
2: But, I mean, put the two of them together, pretty good in this, uh, Rachel McAdams and Eric Bana. So, like like I said, I, I remembered really liking the movie. Going back and looking at my Letterboxd review, I was a little surprised to even see that I gave it five stars. Mm-hmm. Watching it again this time, I felt that the movie gets off to a bit of a choppy start, but... By the end, I was pretty much won over again by this one. Mm. Before I get more into that, how did you feel? So again, like my how much I like thoroughly
3: enjoy about time and have seen it before. It's like, you know, obviously can't even help but like associate the two. Even just Rachel McAdams, the whole thing. (laughs) It's
2: hard when you have the same female lead in another romantic drama about time travel. (laughs) yeah so it's just it's it's hard to shake watching this just felt like
3: the kind of just like mainstream version of about time where like it's uh i don't know about time feels a little more like it has a little more character where time travels wife just feels like the the hollywood version of that uh i didn't think it was terrible by any means it did many times felt just like this is a book being adapted into a movie and they're leaving a lot out. Mm. Um, I did have that feeling, you know, I kind of, I try to not get like too caught up in the mechanics of the, the time travel either, you know, like I tend to do, especially when we're talking on triple threat. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's enjoyable, but honestly, just the, almost the entire time I'm just like, think, cause I watched this one first. So I'm just thinking like, okay, you know, it's it's no about time. I just can't wait to watch that one. Which I mean, you know.
2: so like it's undeniable that the two movies are similar in tone, yeah, in lead actress. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing for me, I think, after rewatching the two of them on back to back nights mm-hmm. is that you know, about time, it's about a guy who discovers he has the ability to travel through time and uh, similar in both movies all three movies, no time machine involved. It's like a physical manifestation of some kind. Yeah, And in about time, he's like using it to sometimes funny, sometimes heartwarming effect. And, but it's a thing that he's like always in control of. And there's a couple of instances not to get too much into that movie, but like when his sister gets in the car crash and he goes back and tries to fix it and -hmm. he succeeds, but then realize he realizes he's changed something else in his life by accident So Mm -hmm. he has to like go back and let his sister get in the accident to like learn her lesson. Like there's dramatic stuff like that in that movie. But at all times, whether or not he fully comprehends what he's doing, the main character in that film is in control. The thing that really sets this movie apart for me and keeps it from feeling too much of a same thing, but not as good, is that there's the extra added element of it's tragic that this guy, it's happening to him and he has no control over it. And it's like trying to learn to live with it, yeah. and like have a normal life, and how hard that would be with disappearing in time constantly. Yeah. The the mechanic is completely different, so it that certainly
3: they're they're not similar in that in that by that mean.
2: Yeah, and like you know that's an obvious difference. I'm not saying yeah. like oh, yeah, yeah, who would believe? But just I that's the thing that it keeps it from fe- it keeps the two movies from feeling so similar that like there's no part of my brain that's really like I have to drive a wedge between these two. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I-, yeah. I had no problem, and maybe it's because I had seen them both before and kind of knew what I was getting into uh, with both of them, but there was no part of me that was, like, overly judging one. Like, obviously, I can say, like, I like one more than the other, but there was nothing about it that, like, and I thought that's what was going to happen. Was that I would uh-huh. be judging one too harshly because of the other or something, uh-huh. and uh, I was happy to say that I came away without that uh, yeah. happening.
3: Yeah. So back to for me for time travel's life, it just it I kind of felt like disjointed a bit because you know you know at one point I was like they didn't like set the. the set any kind of rules like it was a surprise for me that like he could go forward in time you know like mm-hmm. he suddenly does that with the the lottery tickets which i think was the first instance of them mentioning like him going forward which i didn't know was a thing
2: i think it was uh, always possible for him to i mean i'd have to think about not it more, possible but I, I but I just don't know if it was ever like even
3: mentioned or it was just me as i'm going just thinking like oh he just you know, there's no traveling forward for him. I was like, kind of th- thrown off a bit by that. Not that it doesn't ruin anything, but it's was just like,
2: yeah, I guess it never occurred to me. I always just was owned to the assumption that he's just like, he ping pong back and forth all over the place.
3: Yeah. How, cause they, it's kind of almost like a throwaway bit, but in early on, they say something about like, he goes to places that he has a connection to, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of interesting. But then it was, like, as I'm watching it, it's, like, some of it was kind of, like, willy-nilly, because he's, like, sometimes he'll disappear for half a second. Other time, you know, he disappears for two weeks, but it's, like, yeah, because they needed it to progress the plot so she could be mad at him. That
2: is something that feels a little convenient, is there's so many times where he disappears and he reappears someone just long enough to, like, break in somewhere, steal some clothes, and tell somebody what's happening, and then he disappears in front of them so they can experience and believe him. Right, like with Ray Livingston when they yes. uh, when he catches exactly. him fighting that guy exactly. in the alley. So, so that was that. Just like those kind of stuck out to me. I think it was smart having the concept of it's like he's drawn by gravity. The way he describes it to important places and times mm-hmm. in his life. Because if it wasn't that. Then, like, you know, yeah. he jumps into the future three years and he's on another continent. And then it's like, right. well, now what yeah. the fuck do we do? No, that, I think that w-
3: that would have been lame. I mean, it, it made yeah. sense to give him some kind of, like, uh, bearing. So it's, like, two places he knows or whatever, like they said, the connection.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, so it wasn't, like, a, it wasn't necessarily, like, a bad experience for me. But I found myself, like, being, like, a little nitpicky about stuff and just, like, wasn't completely jiving with it. You know, I gotta be honest too, which I'm gonna say you probably will disagree, but like at first I was, it was, it was kind of like a little off putting to me because I was like, I was like, is he's like kind of grooming this eight year old girl? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I was just like, I was like, is this really the angle like they're playing? I was like, but then I kind of chalked it up to I'm like, I'm sure this is much more like fleshed out and like nuanced in a book. Yeah, you know? it's
2: weird because the first time you see it. He he's an older man mm-hmm. and he appears naked in a field and right. there's a little girl and then it's like they're going to grow up and fall in love. But I, I think the thing that keeps it from feeling too weird is that by the time he sees her, they've already met and fell in love. I mean, that is the only reason it works. But yeah. it is also one of those weird things like in the Terminator where, okay, uh, John Connor in the future sends Kyle Reese back in time mm-hmm. to save his mother, and then he has sex with Sarah Connor, oh, yeah. who oh, then ha- births John Connor. And, like, how did he ever send him back in the first place? No, it's totally. It, it totally is he that. He had to too. go back in time to impregnate his mom right. with him. It's one of those things because it's like, you know, he, he comes back in time and meets her, and he already knows that she's going to be like his future love. Mm-hmm. But for her, It's like the only reason she fell in love with him is because she met him when he was an adult and she was eight years old. So it's like for him, it it makes sense. But for her, less so because it's like she never even had a chance to potentially fall in love with anybody else because she came infatuated with this older man Mm -hmm. who she was told she was going to be with in the future. Uh, it 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 is a weird paradox. Though. There, there, it, it's there. I mean, I can't I can't deny it being there. Yeah, but... it's like if you imagine time as a straight line, like them meeting in the past and her being with him in the future. They they both exist on that timeline. Mm-hmm. But like, exactly. what yeah. came first, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> exactly. So, but because but the... it's this kind of movie, yes, admittedly, that never like it. It crosses my mind when a mm-hmm. naked guy comes out of the woods. Yeah. And is talking to a eight year old girl, but yeah, it it that... never goes any further in my mind than, huh? Yeah, that's a little weird.
3: It's just, yeah, it's just, it 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 definitely, uh, it definitely it gave me a feeling about it where it's just like, oh, you know, it's like that's gonna be his wife someday, so he better start putting in the work when she's eight. And I'm just like, oh, that's <laughs> yeah. like, uh.
2: but then it's fascinating. Like one of the things that I think is really interesting. And it caught me off guard and I had to wrap my head around it all over again seeing it this time is, you know, because I, one of the things that I feel like they don't necessarily do the best job at is, again, if you imagine that straight line of time, mm-hmm. it's not like one version of him is leaving a place and then going to another place and then leaving there and going to another place. It's like if, if you consider that he lives to be like 45 years old mm-hmm. and he... he like he can time travel at any age. There's 45 of him bouncing around time at any given time. Mm -hmm. The thing that I feel like they could have maybe done a little better is his age. Because he, unless it's like him as a little kid, he pretty much always looks the same to me. Like even when he's supposed to be older and they give him that little gray on the side of his head, it's so subtle. It's very subtle. When he like disappears on their wedding day and Mm -hmm. then he reappears, but it's an older him. And she mentions, like, oh, you have gray hair. He didn't look that different to me. Like, yes, I'm sure in the moment, everybody living with him would realize. But watching the movie, it wasn't the easiest thing to spot. Right. But I did think it was cool that, like, he goes back in time and meets her when she's eight. And he knows that they're going to fall in love one day, but she doesn't. And then when he meets the adult her, he, at that age... Hadn't grown old enough to go back in time and meet her for the first time, so he had no idea they were going to fall in love. But she did when they met both as mm. adults. I just think yeah. that's a cool idea.
3: I really like thought it so much of that part, but yeah, you're right because he doesn't. You know, I'm trying to think what's the time frame before he start when he starts, you know, there together in the future for a bit before he starts going back in time to see her.
2: Yeah, the first time he meets her is when he's older. Um, But then when they meet in the library and then they go have that, like, little dinner at Mm -hmm. the diner together, uh, Mm -hmm. he's, I guess, in, like, his 30s or, like, his late 20s or something. But, again, it's one of those things that's a little tough because he just looks the same all the time. Yeah, they they graze temples a bit. It's probably the oldest they make him look. So, yeah, I mean. (laughs) They even try to do the thing where they're like, okay. Uh, after like on their the eve of their wedding he gets a haircut so his hair is short so it's like a quick shorthand to know that whenever he has short hair they're mm-hmm. already married and whenever he has long hair they haven't gotten married yet <laughs> yeah but yeah, much. even so it's like i don't always clue into that in any given scene it's not like every scene i the first thing i do is look at his hair and be like okay i know how old he is right probably. oh yeah
3: same here because it's not Cause like that kind of hairstyle too, it's like uh, there's not that much difference between like one length and another, you know? So yeah. So I see, I see what you mean there.
2: Yeah. I, it, it, I would say kind of the same thing as you knowing that it's a book and, and you said it feels like they're leaving things out. There's actually a lot of ideas in the movie that I wish were explored more, but you know, the movie doesn't need to be any longer than it is. Not that Mm -hmm. it's too long. I think it's perfect where it is. Right. But like early in the movie, when they meet as adults in the library for the first time he has yet to meet the doctor i think dr kendrick right. yep played by steven Tobolowski from groundhog day <laughs> and sneakers for uh, uh, triple I was threat say sneakers yep yeah. passport the best <laughs> um he hasn't met dr kendrick yet uh and she tells him that like he's really important and he's like this uh biologist or whatever that's trying to solve the problem And, uh, like, it's cool when they meet and he's trying to convince Dr. Kendrick that he's time traveling and then they do the CAT scan thing. But then he disappears for a lot of the movie. And it feels like they're setting up the whole Dr. Kendrick, like, uh, you know, scientifically exploring how to solve the time travel problem Mm -hmm. to be this bigger part of the movie. And then it really only feels like a means to an end, like when they want to have a kid. And he's trying to figure out a way to keep the kid, which is another crazy idea that I yes. had forgotten about the infant has his power and is time traveling out of the womb and mm-hmm. causing his mother to the mother to miscarry, right. which is fucking nuts. But yes, like I wish that there was more time with Dr. Kendrick. Cause I like Steven Tobolowski and I like, even though this movie is more about like the romance and the characters mm-hmm. and whatnot, I do still like a little more, you know? Yeah. Getting into the nitty-gritty of, like, how are we going to solve this problem? And what is time travel, really? Like, bring some more of
3: the sci-fi back into it. But yeah, you could see why that gets left on the the cutting room floor if they
2: even filmed anything for it. Mm -hmm. Another cool thing I like about this one is that uh, since he is uncontrollably traveling to any time in his life, it's like he experiences, he sees himself potentially dying. Because mm-hmm. like he he gets shot at one point, and then appears back in time in front of himself, bleeding out, and then disappears again. And then it's like, from that point on, he knows something bad's going to happen, but he doesn't know when, he doesn't know how. And it's like, you know, everybody obviously knows and lives with the fact that you could walk out your door tomorrow and get hit by a bus. Right. But he now like has some kind of concept of what's going to happen to him. And approximately based on his appearance, how old he'll be, but has no power to stop it <laughs> right and i I love that element of it too, like I think like it, it including like his death was important I mean I mm-hmm. think that adds a lot
3: to it um I personally wasn't really a fan of how it came about
2: the, because it's so like clever just, like the 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 like, writer thought it was clever how it happened? Or? Pretty
3: much, yeah. It's just like, I was like, oh, it's going to be shot. Well, it was two things. So, so that you establish that he's going to be shot at some point. Already thinking, like, oh, that's when he's going to die. And then they do the whole thing where he's like, they never show you, but they tell you he went somewhere and then got, like, frostbite on his leg. Mm-hmm. But they never show you. And I was just That's like,
2: them, yeah, like, throwing a twist so you think that it's one thing and it's not. Yeah,
3: so it was just like. I was like, I don't know, and then just for him to, like, he, like, blinks, he's gone for 10 seconds, and it's, you know, her dad shoots him while he's hunting, and it was just, it just, it felt very kind of abrupt to me.
2: I mean, I'll I'll admit that it's, like, a little bit convoluted because of the whole, they're, like, throwing you for a loop with the time where he gets frostbite and loses a foot or whatever, Mm -hmm. but I kind of like the fact that it's the dad... Uh, Richard McAdams' dad who shoots him and ends up killing him because of that thing that they mentioned before about like he always goes, because you immediately assume when you see him show up shot and naked that, oh, he appeared somewhere, tried to break into someone's store or their car and got shot trying to steal clothes. Like that's immediately where my mind goes to. But I like the fact that, you know, they lay in a little bit about the hunting earlier on in the movie, which feels like just a throwaway thing, but then... You know, that whole thing about gravity pulling him back to important places. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the many, many, many times over his life where he has appeared at that, in the woods right behind that meadow. Mm -hmm. And that's where it happened because it's on his wife's father's property and he's a hunter. And I, I, like when they pull, I think in that shot they pull away and show the meadow in the snow. And I, I mean, I had forgotten that and it hit me and I was like, oh, that's. It's like, it is a little twisty and like wink, but at the same time, I like it. (laughs) I like, I don't know, I think it just didn't like really
3: land for me. I don't know if it was the abruptness of it or I just, just in the the presentation of it all, it felt like it happened very fast. It just was a little like underwhelming. I liked that it wasn't some random guy like, yeah, like breaking in and stealing clothes. I liked that. I think being the connection, because it comes back to that whole idea and being the father, but it was just... just for me, it just felt very abrupt and it just didn't feel like it had like the emotional weight to it that I feel like it kind of was like building up to.
2: I think it did for me. I mean, yeah. I liked that bit. Um, Another thing that I feel like we could have used more of is Ron Livingston and uh, his wife because Mm -hmm. his wife is supposed to be Rachel McAdams's best friend. But I don't even like remember her name. She has almost no lines in the right. movie. Ron Livingston is a little more important to the film, but mm-hmm. like there's that pivotal moment when Ron Livingston learns uh, about the time travel ability that we already mentioned when they're like in that store together that they broke into.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And Eric Bana says like I'm going to tell you this because we're going to be friends for a long time, so you might as well know this now. Yeah. And he knows that you know they go on to be good friends. I like that too. That's a cool moment. And then at the end of the movie, when Eric Banner realizes, oh shit, this is the night that I die. Mm-hmm. And he asks Ron Livingston to come out and they have that little kind of talk together in like this sincere moment where he's like, I just wanted to thank you for being such a good friend for all these years. But in the interim between these those two scenes, Ron Livingston almost disappears right. from the movie.
1: Yeah, totally. And
2: that's another thing where it feels like the movie doesn't feel like rushed to me. But it definitely feels like it didn't have enough time to expand on some of the things that it sets up. I think so. And that kind of goes back to me with the comment about feeling
3: like, you know, leaving stuff out of a book because Mm -hmm. there's so much stuff in it that, like, has to happen for a plot. But if it was, it just, it feels like excerpts from a a bigger thing. Yeah. Where, like, yeah. Like, because even, I don't know if it ever happens on screen that they, the. Ron Livingston's wife learns about Eric Banner? No, nope. It doesn't, right? Cuz at some no. point when you know she's that she well the, it's
2: it's you understand at the end that she does cuz she's there right. with everyone and she's not freaking out but they never
3: like I feel like any other time you'd expect to see that rather than just Yeah.
2: Yeah, you'd you'd expect that little bit of scene that she knows too. I would almost believe that there is a scene that they cut for time where she finds out because the first time the audience sees her experience it is when naked bleeding from a gunshot wound. Eric Bana appears in the house mm-hmm. and it's him, Rachel McAdams, Ron Livingston and Ron Livingston's wife are all there and they all see it. And mm-hmm. she doesn't freak out like, what's happening? But by then she at least knows. But we never saw her right. find out. Right. But with all that stuff. We've talked about where it feels like it's missing some things or some Things feel shortchanged here's my question Hmm. Do you think this story would be better served by an HBO television series Starring Theo James from Divergent and Rose Leslie from Game of Thrones Yes because there's one in development (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
3: Oddly enough just because of like things I said I'm like yeah I mean you know to, to flesh out some of these ideas like yeah maybe yeah i I feel like ultimately like i think i've said probably more negatively about the movie than positively but i didn't hate it i enjoy i still enjoyed my time watching it but you know there were the 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 things i glommed on to were more the things i didn't care for mm-hmm. but ultimately it's it's things like about structure and maybe time spent so yeah I mean it could be a little, a little longer could could uh land better for me i think
2: yeah i honestly think it could work really well as a television show i do still really enjoy the movie though mm-hmm. uh, i i like again being able to look on letterboxd and see that i gave it five and really liked it and then watching it again i feel like it stumbled for me a bit in the beginning Mm -hmm. But by like the halfway point, I was, it was like cooking with gas for me again. And yeah, by the end, it was like totally working for me. And I was like on board with everything. And like, I can step back and say like, yes, there's some things that maybe could have been handled different, if not better. But on the whole, I still really like it.
3: I mean, I think certain story things could have been cleared up a little better for me. I mean, Eric Bannon didn't really do it. He's fine, like we said, but yeah, you know. A better lead i think rachel McAdams was fine she was great in it i mean she 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 does all the heavy lifting really so mm-hmm. you know there's some some mild to bigger changes i think that could make me enjoy it more i mean you know i think like when i when i watch and we'll get into it with about time but it's like the music in about time is such a big part of it for me as well and like mm-hmm. i don't remember anything like particularly like sticking out to me time travel's wife like Production-wise, music or kind of feel, cinematography—it was nothing. It was kind of just kind of standard. I did like the um, the visual of him leaving, like uh, going, however. He, I don't know if he did it coming in, going, or however it was, but like that kind of fade out he had.
2: Yeah, I like which, that too. As a simple, yeah, visual th- thing that was
3: good. I liked it, especially at the end, at the very end.
2: You know, mm-hmm. it was pretty good. Just like he puts his hand on the window. And it's mm-hmm. cold outside, and then he disappears, and then everybody's inside not realizing there's a, uh, like, a, a handprint on the window that's yep. slowly dissipating. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, I like that. That, stuff, I mean, that stuff's good, man.
3: Yeah. No, it is. And, like, I I just enjoy tra- time travel stuff so much anyway. So, like, connecting the dots can be fun. hmm You know? And how uh, playing with that. It's like, the like we said, like, the mechanics of it all, like. hmm what is the ultimate it's we talked about it on looper it's just like what what is what are the rules for time travel in this certain story and like yeah. that's stuff i always get into mm-hmm. for better Same. or worse you
2: know yeah we already mentioned based on a novel by uh this is a precarious name to say audrey niffenegger okay uh Don't really know anything else about her, but uh, I know this novel is pretty popular. I thought this was interesting. Uh, Two of the three of these people I could definitely see being involved with this movie. Uh, People who expressed interest in directing this. uh, Actually, it was um, Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt's production company because they were together at the time. They bought the rights to the movie before the book was even out. Oh, I don't know how that happens, but yeah. unless they just heard the title and knew it was coming up, and were like, "This has got to be good." Mm-hmm. But <laughs> people who were interested in directing, but were never actually attached, were uh, Steven Spielberg, who I could see, sure. Uh, David Fincher, who I could actually really see thriving with subject matter like this, mm-hmm. and Gus Van Sant, who less so, but you know, yeah.
3: Sure. I mean, I mean, to be honest. I mean, I feel like especially the first two could
2: could have done a lot more for me. but Yeah. Well, do you know anything about the guy who actually directed the movie, Robert uh, Schwentke? I don't. Uh, it's funny that, as I mentioned, the upcoming TV series stars Theo James from Divergent because uh-huh. Robert Schwentke directed two of the Divergent movies, uh, Insurgent and Allegiant, but I don't think it's going to have anything to do with this TV show.
1: Mm.
2: I've never seen Flight Plan. I'm not really familiar with that one. He directed Flight Plan. He also directed Red, the Bruce Willis, I'm an oh. old man who fights people based on the Warren Ellis comic. Uh huh. He directed R.I.P.D., also based on a comic which was hot garbage. Ooh. And he most recently directed, which I just watched like a month or two ago, uh, Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins. Oh. Which was okay.
3: I mean, nothing completely very prolific there, but all right. Yeah.
2: He's out there doing it hmm Uh coincidentally, this m- the movie was written by Bruce Joel Rubin, who also wrote Jacob's Ladder, which we talked about oh. not too long ago. All
3: right, Bruce Joel Rubin.
2: <laughs> and he also wrote Ghost, which feels in line with this mm. kind of movie. hmm Very. So God, do we have Ghost on a tri- on a trifecta? I don't know if we do. But we definitely idea. should. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll add all types of stuff to the list. To <laughs> right. Write it down. And uh this movie costs thirty nine million to make. And had a box office return of 101.3 million, which I, I mean, feel like is pretty solid for a yeah. movie like this. Triple budget that that always works. Yeah.
3: All right, all right. Time Traveler's Wife.
2: All right. Anything else to say about the Time Traveler's uh, Wife? I think we covered it. All right. On to About Time from 2013.
0: We have to decide tonight. What? Everything. I mean, the only thing you've decided about our wedding is that I'm coming down the aisle to the sound of some Italian weirdo singing a song called Il Mondo.
3: Excellent song.
0: To which i said a definitive no. So here's the deal. I will take off one item of clothing for every decision you make.
3: Okay. You have my attention, young lady.
0: Right. Um, where would you like to get married?
3: Home. I'd hate anywhere else. Okay. Oh, my God.
0: Good. Who should the priest be?
3: It'll have to be the local bloke with yellow teeth and a massive unibrow.
0: Okay. That's a lock for Hagrid. Um, best man. Oh, no, this is so
3: hard. It's lose-lose, you know. You piss off all the ones you don't pick, and then you end up hating the one you do pick
0: because he makes a bad speech and ruins the day. Do you want to see these puppies or not? Yes, I do. Jay. It's your choice. Oh, he's my best friend, but he's a moron. Yeah, he will mess up everything. Rory! Sure. No, Harry. Harry. Harry it is. Let's do this. Oh, Rory. Sorry. That's such a cheat. Oh. Okay, fine honeymoon
3: B- bed and breakfast in scotland
0: i am not taking my pants off for scotland oh, But it's all we can afford take off your pants i will not take off your pants ah! i want two weeks uh, in Bali. Take off the-
2: so this movie is directed by richard curtis and written by richard curtis uh mm-hmm. which is a name that i've known but didn't really know who he was british dude wrote uh, wrote and directed love actually and The Boat yes. That Rocked. Okay. But also known for writing Four Weddings and a Funeral, Notting Hill, Bridget Jones's Diary, uh, mm-hmm. War Horse, of all things. Oh. And I guess he's a really big Beatles fan, and he also wrote Yesterday, the movie about, like, what if everybody forgot mm-hmm. the Beatles existed. Okay. So, pretty prolific dude.
3: Yeah, I'd say so.
2: And just to start off the conversation... I watched a little special feature on the Blu-ray for this movie where he was talking about, um, you know, his directing career. And, uh, so he did Love Actually and then he did The Boat That Rocked, which, are you familiar with that one?
3: Nope.
2: It's like a comedy based on a true story about, like, I think at some point in the past there was, like, these, uh, strict rules for, uh, like, what, Radio stations could broadcast in the UK So these people took a boat Like out into international waters And then broadcasted like whatever the fuck They felt like I'm familiar with that story Yeah Yeah, that's what it's about It's got uh, Nick Frost from all the um, Edgar Wright movies in it Mm -hmm. I haven't seen it but And then this is the Third and as of right now Final movie he has directed And he said that He is not planning on ever directing anything again after this. (laughs) Oh, like I forget exactly how he put it, but something about like between those three movies, he feels like he's said all that he had to say for like three different periods of his life or something. And anything else would just be superfluous at this point, man. So he said something about like, he's not saying he's never going to direct anything again. He could imagine himself directing another movie maybe in like 20 years, but right now he's not aspiring to direct anything else, which, I mean, Love Actually, a very popular movie. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a pretty entertaining film. And then this, which I think is great, and I'd like to see more like this. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about that? I'd say, I mean, I would commend
3: anyone that has like that much... You know, control over themselves in their career to be like <laughs> I could, but will not do more of this. You yeah.
2: know, so you're yeah. on team Quentin Tarantino directing one more movie and then just writing novels and plays the rest of his life. Um, see, well, you know, <laughs> that
3: immediately that feels because I don't like when someone says it's more like after the fact where this guy says I've done these three things and that feels right rather than being like. Here's my third movie. I know I'm going to do eight of them and then be done. Like, there's <laughs> yeah. very different. very different vibe to both of those. So mm-hmm. pre-limiting yourself. Uh, I'm not as much of a fan of as as being, uh, you know, looking back and deciding, like, yep, you know, I've done enough. Mm-hmm. Regardless, About Time is movie magic.
2: I, yeah, I feel it. like we've both already pretty much insinuated that we're, yeah. you know... Uh, emotionally invested and in yes. love with this movie <laughs>
3: <laughs> this movie is just it, it is a uh, there's a tone to it that i just love i already mentioned like the music is so like it just has that kind of like indie sensibility that i love and just it, it it weaves in and out that it's a just such a good combination of story dialogue uh cast music i mean everything I love that this, because I actually timed it, I checked to see the runtime, within five and a half minutes, they are t- setting the the stage <laughs> for you in this movie, and I love that about it. hmm You know, you, you're not getting to, like, the end of the first act when it's it starts to pop off, like, nope, dad's telling his son at five and a half minutes in. You know, and I actually love Bill Nighy, so... Um, he's so good in this. He's so good in this, and he like he's played like he definitely has like run the gamut of characters because like oh, yeah. I I I mean I've seen he's he's an in love actually he's in Pirates of the character that's what I mean like Harry he's Potter. in love actually he's like plays like an old like pop star or something I Shaun know him from Dead. being a rotten uh, rotten bastard in Underworld you know he's Davy Jones crying out loud and then like in this he's just like like kind of. I don't even want to say he's like the aloof dad, but it's like you—you you can immediately feel that like he's lived, you know, multiple lifetimes because he <laughs> could time travel. You know, yeah. Some movies, you know, some movies, you could say like don't, don't, or should not have a voiceover, and then other times it's perfect, like where mm-hmm. this one feels perfect. Yeah. Um, I think Donald Gleason is great.
2: Well, it kind of makes sense in this, in that it's like he's taking you through this journey yeah. of his life like looking back on his life in retrospect mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: and he's like in a position where he can do it because he's a time traveler i don't know oh, yeah I, I never questioned it
1: no, i'm not i'm, I'm not great. the
2: kind of person who like when i hear narration in a movie i'm immediately like oh I, I don't subscribe to that thing of like if you need narration then you're not a good filmmaker oh or god no.
3: is that a thing people say i just know some people love it or hate it but
2: yeah, it's like, uh, I, I don't know if it's in filmmaking or just in writing in general. I, I think it is a filmmaking thing, though, that where they say, like, you know, film is a visual medium. If you need narration, then your story has a problem no, with it or something. That's silly. That's silly talk. Yeah. I think the easy one to go to is Blade Runner, where that narration right. is awful and should not mm-hmm. be ever watched by anybody. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, in general, I, I don't have an issue with it. Yeah,
3: it all it all depends on your story. And this one, this thing needs to be fleshed out in those ways that he, you know, they use it, they use it to perfection in this movie, you know?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. So I'm, I'm just a big, I'm a big fan because I feel like the character that Donal plays, it's just like, it's such like an interesting way to be like, you know, he's got this like all knowing power, but it's like he still stumbles through using it the entire movie, <laughs>
2: you know? Yeah. Most of the time he is using it to try and fix things, but there's like mm-hmm. a couple times, like the first night that him and Rachel McAdams have sex where he uses it mm-hmm. like yeah, for to himself. To be better it's about fun. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think going back to what I was saying before about the difference between this and um and The Time Traveler's Wife, you know, in this movie he has full control over his power whether or not he, you know, at any given time mm-hmm. fully understands the weight of what he's doing with it. I like the fact that Time Traveler's wife has this like tragic feeling to it. And it's like not exactly a race against time, but it's like there's this inevitability coming yeah. that they have to worry about. And there's like this weight to it because of mm-hmm. that. The thing I like about this movie is there's a couple times it does get a little weighty with like his sister getting in the car accident. Oh, God, yeah. Or like when he goes back in time to before him and his wife like had sex, which then caused her to get pregnant, which meant that a different sperm and like made it to her egg. And then he had a different child when he came back to the future. Like there's some wild stuff like that. But the thing that I like about this movie, I think that I won't say I necessarily like it more uh, like this element makes it better than the time travelers wife. But the thing I like that makes this one unique is that there's no sense of dread there's no ticking clock. Mm-hmm. It's not always necessarily a quote unquote feel good movie because there is like sadness and oh, like yeah, there's moments of loss and coming to terms with things. But time travel in this movie is never because of its use or because of a character's intention with its use. This movie is never like a thriller in the least i don't even know how to put it it's just it's an element of the story but it's never used as like a ticking clock or a speeding bullet for the audience Yeah, it's like a plot device but it's not uh it's not a
3: push for things because it's it's just his life yeah you know
2: yeah so that that makes sense like the the thriller aspect of it yeah this is just a relationship film and mm-hmm. I think that that's great. Like uh, this movie, the incredible thing is just the, you mentioned the music. It does have good music. The movie has a very nice look to it. And again, oh, yeah. in that, that special feature that I watched, uh, Richard Curtis talked about how he had seen, I forget the name of the movie, but there's a movie with, um, uh, God, main, main character from rogue one. Uh, <laughs> Oh, um, can't remember her name. It's her yep. and uh uh is it Chekhov from Star Trek? Uh you've seen that movie? I haven't seen it, no. melsey But like that, that movie is fantastic. That's like another romancey kind of movie where like mm-hmm. she loses her green card and they have yep. to be apart or something. Um it's um shit. It's, yeah, I can't remember either of their fucking names right now. <laughs> I've seen that movie several times, and it's
3: really good. And also, random fact is almost all of the dialogue is ad-libbed. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Whenever we figure out the name of that movie, it's getting on a trifecta. Anton think... Yelchin.
2: <laughs> Anton Yelchin, yes. Like Crazy is the name of the movie. Okay. So Richard Curtis saw Like Crazy and really liked the filming style of it and he said to his producers or whatever I'd like to get someone who can shoot a movie like that and they said to him why don't we just get that guy and that's what they did <laughs> god that's a really good movie and so that like director of photography did this movie and the vast actually i think they said that every shot in the movie is handheld that there's no like still like the mm. camera's just sitting there and mm-hmm. the intention there was not to have like shaky cam but to give it that fly on the wall, you're a part of the scene kind of feel. Yep. Which is something you should never know is happening, but thinking back a hundred percent works and is the case. Oh yeah. And then For sure. just the fucking person who should have won all the Oscars the year this movie came out as the casting director of this film.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Because Melsey Preach. I mean we've already sung the praises of Rachel McAdams. She's just great in these kind of movies, these kind of roles. She's great in this Domhnall Gleeson I feel like at the time when this came out he was just like popping up everywhere and so I was seeing him in a lot of places at once this is probably you know potentially my favorite of his performances Mm -hmm. but he's just completely likable and affable in this did you see the episode of Black Mirror he's in no I've only seen the first three episodes of Black Mirror as of right now (laughs) good episode but you know, he was in uh we already talked about it ex Machina on this show before. Yes. He's great in that. I don't love him in Star Wars, but Yeah, I mean he doesn't have a great character, General yeah, just Right.
3: But he between this and
2: Ex Machina is, you know, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Bill Nye is great. Um, this one kind of rattled my brain a little bit. Margot Robbie. Is in this movie? Yes, as like the first love of mm-hmm. uh, Domhnall Gleeson's character. I recognized her immediately watching it this time, and I was like, I didn't know, I didn't remember she was in this. And the reason for that is because I'm pretty sure this is the first thing I ever saw her in, because she hadn't been in a ton before this. And then I was like, man, the movie that I feel like I and everybody else oh, like Wolf of Wall Street, knows right? her from is Wolf of Wall Street. Came out the same year as this. It did? Mm hmm. 2013. I didn't think that movie was that long ago, but.
3: (laughs) Fuck. I would have said both of these were like 2017. (laughs) Yeah. Wow.
2: I think that came out like a couple months after this. And so it's like, I saw her in this, had no idea who she was. She was just like a pretty face. And then. Wolf of Wall Street is the movie where I was like, like I feel like everybody knew her oh, name because of yeah. that movie.
1: Oh, for sure.
2: And then the next thing you know, she's Harley Quinn and, you know. And she's a superstar. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But yeah, so she's in this and she was really good. Just oh, yeah. the whole fucking cast is great. Like, not even a past the ones we've named, not a bunch of people that, like, I would expect yeah. everyone to know, but they're all good his sister's
3: great the goofy uncle is in you know he's I only love got that four guy. minutes of screen time but he's great the mom just even like the way he describes his parents is great like mm-hmm. they fit that so perfect i mean yeah
2: this one it's like i just love everything about it and it's relatively simple and there's mm-hmm. not as much of a the time travel isn't such that, you know, there's a lot of dissecting to be done with it. So I feel like I don't have as much to say about it as the time yeah. traveler's wife oddly, but like I, I they just there's almost nothing I don't like about this movie. Yeah, same. I mean, they give you enough. Well,
3: again, they, you know, they set up the time travel within the first 10 minutes. It's, you know, figured out and the the ball's rolling.
2: Yeah, basically in this one, you have to go into a dark place, close your eyes, clench your fists and think of where you want to be and then you'll go there. Right. And you can't go forward in time. Uh, When I was looking at this online, I saw some people bitching like, well, when he goes back in time and then he can come back to where he was, that's going forward in time. But I think the idea is the future.
3: It's forward, but it's not his future.
2: Yeah. Whereas the time traveler's wife, I kept on mentioning like imagining time as a straight line with all these points on it. This is more like a railroad that's being built as the train is going along it, so you can Mm. remember the places the train has been, but you can't imagine the places it hasn't gone Mm, to yet. Look at you, Millsy. (laughs) So, like, that doesn't bother me, that he can go back to where he's at. Ryan Miller,
3: scientist.
2: (laughs) That was was damn good. Spent a lot of time thinking about time travel. Yeah, Yeah, no, that makes total sense. There is one moment in the movie... Where I feel like they were just like, you know what, we want this to happen, so fuck it, hit it, <laughs> and that's when he goes back in time and takes the sister with him. Right, that's a little bit like, huh? Oh, yeah, they they could have they could have
3: done the same outcome without him having to take her with him.
2: Oh, for sure, and I, yeah. I wish they had because that's like the one. Thing that I can really think of about the time Travel that feels like it doesn't really fit with Everything else that they did (laughs) like Mm -hmm. it was never Explained that he could take someone else with him like Right and if it's a biological thing You know it's like it's almost like His because Here's another way to look at it like in um, The Time Traveler's Wife When the reason that he can appear at the wedding and look older is because he's physically going from when he's older to when he was younger and then back again. He like he eventually that physical version of him ends up back in the spot he's supposed to be on the timeline. But in this movie, it's like your consciousness goes back to the younger version of yourself, because when you travel, you appear in your body uh, at the age Mm -hmm. you were with the clothes you were wearing at the time. Right, so right. it's like your consciousness is jumping. So how did he bring his sister's consciousness with him? Well, that, I mean, if, you, if you're going to get into the weeds about it, like
3: I I don't knock it really. But like with about time, I would like it more if like going into the dark place and the clenched fist and everything. I would almost like it more if when he does that, then he just jumps into his body wherever he is at the time, not in another closet in the dark, mm-hmm. you know? That
2: would work as well, yeah. Because
3: it like plucks him out of wherever he was at the time, it like plucks him out of that, and he now he suddenly is in, in a closet. closet somewhere. Yeah. So, I mean, if I was going to be any like nitpicky about it, like, yes, I agree with you, and then that that would be better, but it's almost like this kind of movie, like it's not the kind of movie where I guess you're supposed to really get in the weeds about yeah. the time travel. So
2: dealing with the sister sequence, there is actually, now that I think about it, there is another thing about that, that, uh, it, it bothers me just a tiny bit. So their whole plan is he's going to take her back in time to when she met her boyfriend who ends up being a bad influence on her.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then the whole idea is we'll take you back several years. You won't meet up with him. And then when we come back to the present, yourself having not met him in the past will have in that interim met somebody who's better for you. And when they appear back in the closet in the present day, she immediately says like the name of uh, Domhnall Gleeson's best friend. It's like, because they changed the past, the second she arrives in the present, she remembers, oh, I'm dating this guy now. And Mm -hmm. that helps her not, Have this awkward thing of, oh, I'm with him, but I have no memory of all of the time we've spent together, which is fine, except for the fact that if that were the case, Domnall would be Domnall would remember the child that has changed when he comes back. I agree completely.
3: It makes sense to have someone like, because it would almost be a horrible power you wouldn't want to use if you'd go back X amount of years back to the. You know you are present, and you've changed so much that you don't even know your yeah your new past. Like that would be horrible. You would never want to do that. That would
2: be a whole different kind of movie. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, but he doesn't have that. He
3: he should know as well that she's yeah. with the friend, not the bad guy. So yeah, you're right. I mean, it's that's all. That's for you know for stories purposes without um, because it's a movie, not because it. You yeah, know, logically makes sense.
2: But that just goes to show that that sister sequence was like the one misstep in the logic of the movie.
3: Yeah, which I can roll
2: with you on that. He I mean, he
3: should have just gone in the past, fixed it, kept her from meeting that guy. Right. And then, I mean, it would still make sense for him when he comes back to be like suddenly remember, like suddenly know these new memories. But yeah, then yeah, it doesn't hit the same with the kid. But.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But, I mean, that kid element is important to the end of the film because, like, his yeah. big decision he has to make is basically once he has – once his child is born, mm-hmm. he now knows that child. Right. And if he goes back in time to before that child was consummated
3: – Or even uh, born
2: because it doesn't even – like, the consummation doesn't – I don't know, It's almost like that doesn't matter
3: because – Well, the consummation is what matters because- Right, but he doesn't know it yet. Like he doesn't know that child until it's born. Yeah, he he can go
2: back to before it was born, but if he goes back to before they had sex nine months earlier, then the actual, as we mentioned, the sperm that creates the child will then create a different child. So that's like a no-no. So like once they have a kid, he can no longer safely go back in time to before Mm -hmm. they had the kid. And then he finds out that his father is dying Mm-hmm. But with this power, he'll always be able to go back in time and see his father again mm-hmm. until his wife decides they want to have a third child. And then yeah. he realizes once we do this, I'll have a nine month like yeah. window before I can never see my father. Which is, again. Like, which is great, which is so good. It like, makes the movie really in the Yeah, end. It's such a brilliant, dramatic It's
3: It's such a element. good idea. It's so good for the script. And then- Millsy, it like this is at least the third time I've seen this movie. It gets me every time. Bill Nighy is so good, and like the two of them sell it so well. When Domino comes back, and his dad can just see it on his face, like oh, mm-hmm. you know, like the acting is so good there. It like gets me every time.
2: Yeah, it's great. Oh.
3: Yeah, it's just when he, when he's when he they both know why he's there at that time. Oh man. Kills Mm -hmm. me.
2: Yeah, the writing is just so clever and relatable, and the movie is just so much of a delight to watch. Mm -hmm. Again, the thing that I keep going back to, and I don't know really how to put into words, is that the time travel is never used like a smoking gun against the audience. Right. And I love that about it. It's just an element for the story, and it adds enough weird Mm -hmm. intrigue that it makes this kind of film more interesting to me, but. Then mm-hmm. all of the elements that would make a great romantic film without any sci-fi stuff are so good that it's just like a yeah. one-two punch. This it movie. really
3: is, yeah. And I just, I just like that. Like the the, the 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 time travel like rarely fixes anything in this movie. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like he he gets like good things happen from it, but like it, the fix isn't there. You know, he he's not able to fix his sister. Like even when he meets mary for the first time like that he loses that completely because he has to go to the play you know that whole thing mm-hmm. like he can't really fix it that way either like there's so many instances where it's like you know any other movie it would like it would just be the easy the easy way to fix any kind of scenario yeah he does he doesn't do it in this movie he has to like work around it so mm-hmm. i love it this is excellent yeah it's great it's a joy to watch
2: yeah, tugs at the heartstrings. <laughs> so I thought this was interesting. Uh, Richard Curtis said that the way he came up with the idea for this movie, because, again, he's not like a science fiction guy necessarily. I mean, he did mm-hmm. that movie about the Beatles, the everyone forgetting the Beatles, which is kind of in the same mm-hmm. sci-fi, but not like super sci-fi ballpark as this. But right. He said he was at lunch one day having a conversation with a friend, and they were talking about, if you found out that you only had 24 hours left to live, what would you want your last day to be like? What would you want to do on your last day? And when posed with a question like that, I feel like most people think of some fantastical thing. Like, Mm -hmm. I want to go skydiving or this or that. But they both basically came to the decision, you know, I would just want it to be like a nice, normal, happy day, like nothing crazy. Mm -hmm. And then he thought, man, wouldn't it be great To make a movie where the climax, like the thing that the person is striving for, is to just live a happy, normal life. Mm -hmm. And the way that he came upon making that like a goal that is possible to achieve is to give someone a power that allows them to do anything they want and then come to the decision that what they really want is to just live like a normal, happy life with the people he loves. So good. what a what a great like weird way to come Mm -hmm. backwards to this idea i don't know this is like one of my all-time like favorite instances of like we said
3: earlier like watching a movie at random and it being like like being
2: a life-changing event like (laughs) oh just love it gotta go ahead and talk about it now so rachel mcadams
1: Mm -hmm. she's in like time time travel travel. (laughs) way
2: She said in an interview on this uh, movie that she's not like into time traveler sci-fi, which is crazy to me Mm -hmm. because she is the romantic interest of a man who travels in time in The Time Traveler's Wife. She's the romantic interest of a man who travels in time in About Time. She's the romantic interest of Owen Wilson's character in the Woody Allen movie, Midnight in Paris, where every night at midnight, Owen Wilson is transported back in time to the 1920s Paris. Didn't even know that. (laughs) And she's the romantic interest of Doctor Strange, who is the wielder of the time stone Mm -hmm. and uses it to go back in time and change time and whatnot in Doctor Strange. How fucking bizarre is that? It's bizarre. And then... (laughs) Did you catch this? <laughs> Cuz we just watched both this and the Time Traveler's Wife. How is she proposed to by her love interest in both movies? Um
3: well, in About Time it happens when he
2: when they're in bed or she he wakes her up. Yep. And in the Time Traveler's Wife I'm blanking on the time travelers' wife. She's asleep in bed, and he comes and wakes her up and proposes to her oh, while she's sh- like half asleep. Really? In both fucking movies?
1: <laughs> oh
2: shit! I forget that from time travelers' wife. That's How hilarious. crazy is that? Like, that's such a weirdly specific thing yeah. to happen in both movies. It is.
3: I wonder if, like, on about time, she's like, man, again?
2: <laughs> I don't but, know. Damn. But like, yeah, I watched uh, Time Traveler's Wife first and then the next night I watched About Time and when it happened, I had forgotten how it happens and I was just like, what the fuck? It's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, I love it. Like, I can only hope that in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, uh, Stephen Strange I proposes mean, to her. She's better. And Boy, uh, she's up. asleep at the time. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Uh, one other interesting little factoid um, on a personal note. Is uh, So my buddy Chris, who listens to this show Hi, Chris Hey, Chris (laughs) He is from the UK originally Mm -hmm. uh, And he's been living over here for a few years He's part of my game group We we play board games with some other friends Mm -hmm. He is an enormous fan of this movie as well Oh, my man And coincidentally, he pulled up Google Maps the other day When uh, I mentioned that I rewatched this movie Mm -hmm. And he was showing me where the filming locations were for the the family home in this, like on the uh, on that like hillside. Yep. And the beach that like the uh, Bill Nye and um when they go back in time and it's like yep. him with Domino Gleason as a little boy walking on the beach. Mm-hmm. Uh those are like not right next to each other, but they're like further down the road from one another. My friend Chris used to live he said five like a five minute drive from both of those places. Come on. And before the movie, he had a friend who was like taking care of that house for what? whoever owned it. And Chris had been in that house. That's amazing. And he has been to that beach as well. Holy shit. And like, so then movie comes out, he sees it, absolutely loves it. And is like, wait a minute. I know where this is. <laughs> I just thought that was super fucking cool. Let like, me
3: imagine? I've never had anything close to that. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, mm-hmm. Chris. You better should have him on this episode.
2: <laughs> Damn. Oh, maybe we can rope him in one of these days. Oh, well, there we go. And uh, finally, this movie only cost $12 million and made eighty-eight point five in the Shit. box office.
3: You better turn around than tribe traveler's wife. Look at that.
2: Yeah. Lower box office, but better numbers. Yeah. So I think what you and I are saying is if anybody is listening to this and they haven't seen About Time, it's about fucking time you did. Yeah. I mean, this is like top triple threat movies for me. I love it. I'm with you. Uh final film? Final film. From 2016, we have Your Name. <laughs>
3: この How did you not get me to watch this earlier in life? <laughs> I mean,
2: I told you how good it was,
3: holy shit yeah I mean we'll we'll get into it like we do with story wise milsey, this fucking movie looks amazing,
2: yeah, I mean, I remembered that it looked incredible from the first time I saw it, and you know in the interim, like just recently, we did um our Sci-fi anime episode. I don't mm-hmm. have the. I don't have the binary in front of me, and I can't remember it all off the top of my head. But when oh. we talked about Akira and Ghost in the Shell, and I remember at the time, like rewatching Akira, it had been a couple years, watching it on Blu-ray for the first time, and just gushing over how incredible that movie looks. And I mean, in many ways, that movie still does look better than this, and just like the actual like, um, the amount of like frames that they put for in sure. and the hand-drawn animation and everything, but the how would you put it like the polish the lighting effects the the, the level yeah. of detail in the backgrounds in this movie
3: the i mean there there's clearly like computer aided bits to the animation but it's mm-hmm. not like glaring but yeah it is it's next level amazing. like objectively you could tell me someone could say that your name is the best looking anime movie of all time and i wouldn't argue with that person because it looks yep. fucking phenomenal
2: it is a feast for the fucking eyes this movie
3: so i don't own this or well i'll say i didn't own this <laughs> oh it was well it was four dollars to rent or five dollars to purchase on mm-hmm. amazon so i just went for it and holy shit, I'm glad I did because, like, <laughs> this is something you could just put on and just, like, you could just melt into watching it because it yeah. looks so
2: amazing. I mean, this movie would make a great, like, uh screensaver. Just <laughs> every totally. frame of the movie is incredible looking.
3: I mean, it's just, like, you – I found myself, like, not taking my eyes off the screen for a second because it's, like, they they'll even show you just rolling hills outside of a train car and it looks like the best thing you've ever seen.
2: Yeah, it's – honestly stunning how incredible it really
3: is and like you said it's like the polish of it where like something like akira is like that more like old school animation like all the little bits of gobbledygook that we love Mm -hmm. which not to say it's not polished but then when you just see something like your name and it's like it just feels so like modern (laughs) and fresh
2: this won't apply to everybody but this is kind of how i perceive it because we're big comic fans. Mm -hmm. My favorite kind of comic book art is like drawn inked, like line work with then colors on it. So Mm -hmm. like, you know, like Bernie Wrightson or uh, Richard Corbin or Mobius or whoever, like pen on paper lines, creating an image. And that's kind of what I see when I look at a Is just like, the involved character animations and being able to see the little flaws, but knowing mm-hmm. that it's all hand drawn. And then this movie, it's more like a digital painting where, right. you know, digital comic art isn't my favorite thing, but it's not my preferred style of comic art. Mm-hmm. But there are artists like Art Germ and some other guys right. who just. Art Germ's a great example. You see their stuff and you are just like, it's like, I don't do digital painting myself. So I don't even understand Mm -hmm. how they make it look as good as they do. Mm -hmm. But it's like, you'll look at one and just be like, this is fucking gorgeous. And that's this movie compared to Akira. It's like Akira is like a, um, a technical Marvel to me because I have more understand how it was created. And this is just, I'm watching it and it's like fucking magic because I, I, I have no idea how much of it is c g and how much computers are involved and everything, but it's just the final product is just mind blowingly yeah. gorgeous
3: and in both instances, it's like how, this was made by man how was how long did this take you know <laughs> yeah, like how many decades did it take for you to draw
2: Akira, or
3: it just doesn't even make sense to me
2: yeah, well, quick aside, the director of this movie is a guy named Makoto Shinkai and I hadn't put the pieces together that this was the same person I was thinking of, but there is an animated film. It's only about 30, 25 or 30 minutes long. It's called voices of a distant star. And I remember hearing about it back when it came out, because the thing of note about that film is from what I understand, the entire 30, whatever minutes was written, animated colored, whatever, special computer effects all by one person.
3: Damn.
2: And it was this guy. Oh. And from what I understand, like the kind of visual style of this movie with all like the gorgeous like landscapes and like the blue cloudy skies and the sun coming through trees and all that shit is, and like lens flares is like a, it's like a stylistic thing that comes from him Mm -hmm. and I haven't seen it. And I'm sure that it's not as amazing as this, but voices of a distant star was a hundred percent done by him over the course of seven months. And then I think like him and his girlfriend at the time, or his wife did like the voice recordings for it, which were redone when they released it on DVD by like professional voice actors. But just to know that like the guy who made this movie look as amazing as it is, is the guy who made headlines like 10, 15 years ago because he did an entire anime film by himself with like an old Mac computer.
3: That's amazing.
2: Yeah, it shit just blows my mind. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I really want to track down some more of this guy's movies. He's made a few others over the years, and uh, I happen to be talking to another friend of mine, Matt, at the comic store, and he has a bunch of them and said he's going to lend them to me on Blu-ray so I can give him a look.
3: Ooh. Yep. You have to let me know.
2: Yeah. But uh, yeah. So the movie itself, did what, if anything, did you know when you went into this?
3: Absolutely
2: nothing. (laughs) I mean, it's a good one of those to go in like that. Uh, Like I mentioned earlier in the show, I'm pretty sure when I first saw it, I hardly knew the concept and just wanted to see it because of all the positive word of mouth it was getting. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of, I mean, so obviously because it's a part of this episode, there's time travel involved and it's a romantic story. But where the movie begins gives you no concept of where it's going to end up. No, sir. So, like, the basic premise starting off the movie is that there is uh, a high school age boy named Taki and a high school age girl named Mitsuha, and she lives, like, out in the boonies in the country somewhere, and he lives in, like, the bustling metropolis of Tokyo. Mm -hmm. And they have very different kind of lives. And so just for no real explicit reason, one day they wake up, and to get ready for school, and he is in her body and she is in his.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And they don't know each other, they have no idea why it's happening, and like to them it feels like it's kind of just a dream. Like They go about their day, that night they go to sleep, the next day they wake up in their own bodies, and like a dream, they're kind of forgetting the details of what happened the day before. Mm-hmm. And then it happens again, and it keeps happening. Yep. And so Which it it's,
3: could be a movie in and of itself. Oh, 100 percent
2: It's a it's a great idea. And it's mm-hmm. endlessly fascinating the different ways that they could handle like all the ins and outs of that. Um, but basically, like he kind of likes this girl, but he doesn't know how to talk to girls. So while she's in his body, she's like using her feminine side to like win over the girl that he likes for her, and then he's like freaked out because it's like He's too nervous that she's doing this, but she's like leaving him notes uh like in his uh cell phone notes uh mm-hmm. so that he can like read the next day what happened because he doesn't remember what she was doing, and similarly like uh he's making her like stand up for herself more when he's in her body because that's kind of more his attitude, and she's kind of shy in her own life, and they almost work out this like. Well, this is going to happen to us, so we have to work together. And, like, here's my no nos. You can't do this when you're in my body. And stop right. spending all my money on food. <laughs> but she loves right. going to the cafes because they yeah. don't have them where she lives. Right. And uh, so good. And it's like they, you know, they start to have feelings for each other without it be necessarily being like a real love thing, just because they're forced to live in one another's lives.
3: Yeah, so it's like they don't even they haven't even met like they don't actually like yeah. know each other. It's it's, yeah, it's,
2: it's an interesting it's, angle for sure. And then one day it just stops. Mm-hmm. Like it, it then like the movie in the beginning it kind of focuses more on her a little bit, like you, you open on her, and then at some point the connection breaks and it starts to focus solely on him. And it, I mean. It's the nature of the podcast. We're, we probably pretty much got to spoil everything, right?
3: <laughs> I mean, this is one of those ones that's like, I want so many people to watch this movie. <laughs> and
2: experience it's it so for good. themselves. Um, You know,
3: well, I mean, we probably don't have to spoil it completely by just saying, like, you know, there's a, a course of events stops them from
2: swapping bodies. And then it becomes like a mystery that he's trying to solve. Yeah. So he but the problem to... is like, like I said, you know, whatever they've done the day before, it's like the next day when they wake up, it's kind of like a dream where it fades mm-hmm. and it's not as clear. And so it's like he is now determined. He wants to try and physically go find her because their connection is broken But it's like he's losing the details. So he's He's got, like, next to nothing
3: to go off of, too.
2: Yeah, he's trying to remember and, like, draw from memory the, like, town that she lives in. And, like, so he decides he's going to, like, go there, but he doesn't exactly know where it is. So he's just, like, going around showing people, you know, the drawings and, uh, yeah, I mean... Yeah, we can we can try to avoid it, but like from there like it's already fucking fascinating. Mm-hmm. And from there it just gets like even more incredible. <laughs> right.
3: Yeah, I only think we we could totally leave out like what happens um that causes it, but like yep. getting into that all factors
2: into how this is actually a time travel movie. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Um, it's a, b- a brilliant use of time travel. Oh, God. Yeah. And you don't see it coming. Like even, you know, if you're listening to this review and then you go watch the movie, you'll obviously know that there's time travel. But I doubt you'll realize what's happening until they kind of insinuate it and tell you halfway well, through that, the movie. That was me
3: watching the thing because yeah. I'm like, I don't know there's time travel traveling or somewhere. But yeah, I mean, it just delivers. It mm-hmm. delivers on such like a, a bonkers premise if you think about it like yep. something you would only see in an anime probably until um, they
2: make the live action remake which JJ Abrams is currently working
1: on <laughs> of course <laughs>
2: it had to start
3: here yeah but um yeah man they it it pulls off it it has to it ends up like spinning a lot of plates to like get everything to to land yeah and it delivers boy
2: yeah there's a period where Uh, Mitsuha, the female character, and her two friends are, like, enacting a scheme. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. I do. There's a point there where I feel like when a rewatch, I had forgotten, like, a lot of the details. I was like, hmm, this isn't going exactly how I remember, and I'm not sure how much I'm loving this, and, like, those fears are all, you know, swept away moments, like, minutes later. But Mm -hmm. there's it's just... I don't know. It's it's such an incredible storytelling path that it takes you on, it, because it the is. movie is one thing, and then they introduce a whole new concept, and then it becomes a different kind of movie for a little while, mm-hmm. and then the ending. I mean, it's very somber <laughs> and like you know, listful.
3: <laughs> it, it it got me that final scene. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh, Millsy, does it get me?
2: <laughs> yeah. If I had to name like the one thing I don't love about the movie, it's the couple of uh, Japanese pop songs.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah, it doesn't even didn't necessarily like register so much with me.
2: <laughs> There's a couple parts of the movie where it kind of goes montage and mm. you're just seeing a bunch of stuff happen. And I was even curious, such like, like an anime thing. <laughs> yeah, I was even curious, what are these songs? Because they seem like Japanese pop songs, but they're in English. Mm-hmm. And then come to find out in the English dub of the movie, the, uh, the Japanese band that did all the original music for the Japanese version of the film actually like wrote and recorded American or English oh. language versions of their songs oh. for the film. Actually makes sense yeah
3: but yeah that's the I mean thats the only hearing thing hearing like
2: they're not even that bad. it's just it feels a little man unusual.
3: But, oh, Kelsey, when they just say can i can I ask you your name oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, oh, this feels so good they they just sell it so well,
2: mhm, I just love you know there's so much about like Japanese heritage and the different Mm. folklore and whatnot of honestly probably many different areas like oh yeah so the city that mitsuha lives in in the movie is not a real place but it's influenced by a real place that the director of the movie had been or grew up or something like that okay and like i wonder like that whole thing about how they make the um the wine by like chewing up the the rice uh, and then spitting yeah. the liquid out and letting it ferment. And then it becomes alcohol. Like I'm sure that's a thing that's done different places, but like the way they re- really make it feel like it's part of this region or whatever. And then that like shrine or whatever it is like out in the wilderness with like the big rocks where they leave the stuff and
1: mm-hmm.
2: how that factors into everything. Uh, Just all that stuff makes it feel so rich and lived in and, just all the details in, like the, like the style of that town, and just like how there's little bits of technology infused with the really old school feel of everything, and yep. and then you have the scenes in Tokyo where it just feels like they spared no expense making it look like a hundred percent realistic yeah. with all the Total. details there. And, it's just
3: yeah, the the every every shot in this movie is like
2: fully detailed. Yeah, it's incredible. Uh, it really is. I mean, <laughs> it makes me think of like. Um, I remember when they did uh when the Wachowskis did the live action speed racer movie mm-hmm. they were talking about like how are we going to make it you know we it's live action but we want to make it feel and kind of look like a cartoon and the way they accomplished that is that typically in live action if you're focused on a character in the foreground or the midground then like part of the background is blurry because your their foc- your focal point is in the middle or the mm-hmm. foreground but they used like computer techniques so that At all times, every plane of existence is in uh, focus. Mm, So, like, stuff in the foreground. Because in the cartoon, everything's drawn and it's all, like, photographed flat. So, everything is in focus. And, like, this movie, it's, like, they never spared any expense on the background because you're not going to be focusing on it. Everything, like you said, is just, like, fully realized. And so, at any time, you can just take your eyes off of what's happening and there's something incredible going on elsewhere.
3: Yeah. There's always like three planes moving, you know, yeah, either in parallel or separately. Like it's just this movement in every every shot, it's and crazy. there will
2: be like dialogue while they're standing in the woods, and then it just cuts away to a close up of like dewdrops falling in a puddle yeah. and leaves falling, and everything just looks like how much yeah. fucking reference did they use for this right. so or they'll be in showing Tokyo off i love it as an establishing shot and they're like let's just show a down shot of this incredibly busy train station like all the trains yeah. coming and going in bird's eye view it's just
0: like yeah, that it's... level
2: of like of like baller status to be like yeah we're just <laughs>
3: like we're just gonna show off like i love it yeah get
2: after it yeah it looks amazing the characters are great um i mean this is like
3: this is one of those ones where it's like I, I almost don't want, like I don't want to say too much because just if you're listening, watch this goddamn thing.
2: Yeah, I yeah. I wholly agree. It's just it's
3: just uh, like I knew because you you watch so many movies and like you know this is like definitely one of those ones over the years
2: that I remember clearly getting a big reaction from you. I probably gave an impassioned speech. About how much I liked it on Sidetracked, which fell on largely deaf ears because Jesse hadn't seen it and wasn't familiar with it. <laughs> well, I mean, it,
3: it had registered for me wherever it was. us talking or was on Sidetracked because I always remembered, you know, it probably would have been a movie. Not that it has a bad poster or box or anything, but it probably would have gone over my head like so much anime does because I'm so out of touch with it. But then, you know, for you saying how good it was, it's like it's always been on my radar.
2: Uh, the director lists among his inspirations, most of which were anime and manga uh interstellar is one of his inspirations, mm. which I totally get, okay, yeah, considering you know the time grandiose. travel element well
3: yeah, the the grandiose feel I
2: we already talked about how this was at the time of its release the second highest grossing anime film of all time in Japan, and now the third highest grossing
1: mm.
2: uh but also <laughs> at the time of its release this was the fourth highest grossing film of any kind from any country ever released in Japan. Damn. So I already mentioned earlier that Spirited Away was one of the top three. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you want to take a wild stab, wild stab in the dark at what the second and third highest grossing films of all time in Japan were? And I'll tell you they're both American films. Oh. Hmm. Wild stab in the dark. Jeez. Oh, uh Titanic? Yes. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> you got um, one. <laughs> uh, You'll never get the other, but <laughs> I can't believe you got Titanic. Uh I'll never get it. Um Major League Two. <laughs> no, frozen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So in 2016, when this movie came out, Damn. it was the fourth highest grossing of all time in Japan after Spirited Away, Titanic, and Frozen. That's amazing. And now it's at least fifth because Demon Slayer Mugen Train is in there. Oof. Still sounds like a joke.
3: Still still sounds like pulling <laughs> my leg.
2: But And as I mentioned, a live action remake is currently in the works in the U.S. from producer J.J. J. Abrams. I think Mark Webb was originally working on it. He was the guy who did Amazing Spider-Man 1 and mm-hmm. 2 and 500 Days of Summer. Mm-hmm. But he left the movie at some point and uh, writer-director Lee Isaac Ching, who made the movie Minari, which like a year or two ago mm-hmm. got like a ton of yep. buzz, but I haven't yeah, seen it. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, he is now the one who is rewriting and supposedly directing the film. Okay. When they made the deal with the Japanese company to do the remake, they explicitly said, we want this to take place in the United States. Oh. Uh, so I think they had on their mind, like, if it's going to succeed in America, it has to be an American film. <laughs> Probably. I can see them saying that. And uh, I don't have a budget for this one, but the box office, I, th- I think this is worldwide, is $380 million. which probably mostly comes from Japan, considering it was one of the highest-grossing films of all time. That's a shitload of scratch. Yeah. And this did, I believe, get theatrical play in the United States, but I can't imagine it was much.
3: I can dig it. Must watch.
2: Yeah. Uh, This is one of those instances where I watched this movie like five years ago. Maybe would have watched it again someday, but uh, I'm so glad that the podcast Random Number Jenny just Mm -hmm. brought it around again because... Yep. It was just so great to reexperience this movie again. Yeah, now I, I mean this could be something I'll put on the background. I've got to picked it up for short,
3: short money, so
2: and I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. glad. Yeah, I gotta track me down a Blu-ray of this one. Yeah, man,
3: I'm actually surprised you don't. So let's talk some
2: posties. <laughs> All right, starting off with Time Traveler's Wife. Uh, this is a visual thing that doesn't play into the movie much, that but that I do really like is during the end credits the. Uh, kind of super fuzzy like blue and orange sparkles hmm. look i mean blue and orange is has been hot in the streets for <laughs> posters for quite a bit yeah um, but and like it, even even like i say in the movie during the end credits that shit's going on in the background and uh yeah. I, I really like the cut of its jib
3: yeah I mean, it's not bad. I mean, this could literally have any title, and you'd yep. be like, "Okay, mm-hmm. you know, it's two people in love."
2: Yeah, this could be the Notebook. Presumably, it could be anything. It could um, be anything. It's you know, two people. They're obviously in love. He's laying on top of her. This could be your name, the yeah. the American movie poster. Mm-hmm. But you know, uh, uh, is there anything particularly incredible about it aside from just the you know the cheap shot of having that? orange and blue mm-hmm. in the background. Not necessarily, but uh, I don't know. It's it's fine.
3: You it's, know what? Actually, I and I we don't see a lot, is the credits are kind of uh, justified on the right there in yeah. that negative space, which like normally we that. don't. Yeah, you never see that,
2: which I actually like. Mm-hmm. I right. mean, the, the title is also over there on the, it, it is weird. It looks like it's supposed to be a uh, landscape poster, but mm-hmm. they just turned it on its side. Right, and then we're like, "What do we do with the text?" Well, here we go. You know, I I don't hate it. Yeah, I, mean, I, mean, <laughs> I wouldn't hang it up in my house, but it's not the worst thing. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, you know, one of the one of the things I feel like we typically judge posters on is, you know, what does it say about the film? Does it give you an impression of the film? And not really, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, knowing this movie, what could they even put on the poster besides yeah. just Eric
3: Blanda kind of phasing <laughs> out of in and out of time? Maybe, but.
2: Uh, you know what it should have been? It's just like imagine a wide shot with from behind a little eight-year-old girl standing in a meadow <laughs> and then like past her being covered up by her is just naked Eric Bana who's half disappearing.
3: <laughs> I mean, that would be a thing.
2: <laughs> That'd probably be a bad campaign. but That'd be a thing. Even if, you know what? Here's a question. Why didn't they do this? Why isn't he partially disappearing in this?
3: Oh. I mean, shit,
2: Milsey. Like, why isn't his hand that's on her arm, like, partially disappearing? Yeah. I mean, his whole back, that side of his face and part of that arm should be. Like, you're, that you're doesn't right. necessarily scream time travel, but immediately that's like, okay, it's there's something. something weird, supernatural sci-fi yeah. about this. Right. Because, like, you
3: already, no one's going to, you know, you're not fooling anyone with that name. Some people are going to know.
2: <laughs> yeah. Huh. that That's, that's, that's what I would have done. Like the poster would be great, honestly, like almost perfect if it if it had that.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: I think uh, Rachel has got to be a big draw, especially between this and the About Time, because she's front and center on both.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I ju- I think it's just in in you know it's a movie about a relationship between a man and a woman, so typically, what do they do? They just plop them front and center. <laughs> no, I just mean like it's it's her. She's the, clearly the focus, especially like I couldn't. If you
3: didn't tell me that was Eric Bana, I wouldn't necessarily just, like, know immediately. No, me neither. You know, Domal and his, it's, like, a little better, but it's, like, him side view, it's her frontal, like. You, you know, know who
1: like...
2: you know who uh, Eric Bana actually looks like because it's kind of a down shot and his eyes are closed? He looks like the guy from, uh, what was that Buffy the Vampire Slayer spinoff show? It's, uh, Bo uh, Angel. Yeah. Yeah, he kind of looks like that guy to me. Yeah, I could see uh, that. David yeah. Boreanu, is that his name? Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Kind of looks like that.
3: No, totally. I'm with you.
2: <laughs> but yeah, bouncing over to about time. Similarly, nothing about time travel on here. And the thing is, with that title, you'd never even know. Yeah, totally.
3: I mean, this tagline, what if every moment in life came with a second chance? I mean, you could try to connect some dots there. But mm-hmm.
2: I mean, tagline kind of unnecessary even in this yeah. image. Yeah. Oh yeah. But yeah, this is just like a moment from the film. I mean, you get the impression that it's like a romance. They're happy despite the fact that it's raining. So it's like you kind of get your tone a little bit.
3: Yeah. I mean, plenty could be done to. It's not the worst image, but.
2: Yeah. This movie looks so good. You could have taken just about any moment from the movie. It didn't have to be this one from their wedding day, which you wouldn't even know is a wedding because she's wearing red, I feel. Right. Also true. It's fine. I just feel like if it was like a more generic movie, what they probably would have done is just like a wide shot of him sitting dead center on that bench in the uh, museum with like a big mm. picture of Kate Moss behind him. <laughs> <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. yeah, that's a good point.
2: Like that, that feels like more of just the generic movie thing to do.
1: Yeah. No, but I don't there. know.
2: I don't think this is mind blowing as a poster is concerned, but
3: yeah, it, it's not.
2: It's fine.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then your name—I mean, it's a great, attractive image. It, you know, there's an element to the image that we didn't really go into, so as not to spoil anything. That you wouldn't mm-hmm. really know what it means until you watch it, which I mm-hmm. like. Yeah, like that shape at the top is kind of a recognizable, kind of unifying key. image to go with the movie. Yeah. If anything, I just wish the figures were bigger. Yeah. This is another one where there's a lot of different ways they could have gone. Yeah. Yeah, like this despite being like really good artwork, uh I'm I'm not drawn to it as like an amazing achievement in poster design. Mhm. But I mean, it gets across like the two different worlds that it they does. live in and
3: it it's recognizable like especially after watching the movie like. Mhm. This is just like just a just a taste of how good this movie looks. <laughs>
2: But if you were to see it like on a shelf or see the poster, would it really make you go like, "Oh, I have to see this?" Yeah, it could be anything. Yeah, I would have no idea. You know what I really loved towards the end of the movie that I wish that or like I could see them using as like a interesting design element for this somehow
1: mm-hmm.
2: is um uh, without saying anything specific during the time travely bit with uh the boy uh, mm-hmm. He's wearing that red ribbon on his wrist Yep That becomes like An element of the time travel mm-hmm. I loved that visually in the movie And I kind of feel like they could have used that On the poster somehow Yeah You know actually And some That
3: red would have like played pretty good With the rest of the color on this one
2: Yeah That's a good point
3: Mills are firing all cylinders
2: <laughs> I have my moments
3: Break it down for the people
2: yeah, none of these are, like, the most mind-blowing thing in the world. Uh, they're all appealing enough. Yeah. feels kind of weird to give the edge to Time Traveler's Wife, but it's just... I kind of... I'm with you, though. The colors are so nice on this one. I mean, there's a reason it's on a thousand posters since 2002, so... <laughs> yeah, if a part of his body was disappearing, this would be perfect, but... I don't That, would, know, that I, would make all the sense. Yeah, like... Uh, but, like, in a void... Just judging the poster, like for the kind of movie it is, is it a? Is it? It's not a five star poster. No. Is it a four? Is that even too much? Because like, what is it doing that's special aside from having appealing colors? Uh realistically, it is a three. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm. I'm leaning. Like, yeah, it's a three. It's gonna be three uh... buck shots from her dad's rifle. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> oh, I didn't have anything better for that one. But then, I mean, you know, I think I'll, I, they're they're all going to be threes. I think, I, like, I think that, I'm fine with that. There's nothing great about any of them. There's nothing terrible about any of them. Mm-hmm. They, they, especially
3: besides your name, the other ones definitely have that like designed by committee, yeah, feel to them. But they're they're not horrible on the eyes. Yeah,
2: your name will get three booby squeezes. Oh boy. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of that going on this morning. I mean, that's a there. that's a fun element of it, though. Because <laughs> yeah, everybody the, the, would be thinking, like, the very yeah. first thing you would do. That comes up quite a bit in this one. If you were a boy and you woke up in a girl's body. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Oh, shit.
2: And then uh, about time, we'll get uh, three bites of uh, whatever that food was in that dark restaurant that they were in. <laughs> Oh, where you couldn't even see it, which yeah. is apparently a real place. It is, yeah, you know, like a restaurant where it's completely pitch black inside mm. and all I the would... waiters are blind.
3: I'm not stepping foot in that place because <laughs> I ain't trying to go and get murdered in there, no one
2: will be able to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of an interesting concept, but oh. all right, I'll try anything once. No, <laughs> okay, we'll get you over across the pond. Man, so a... I don't know if I would have guessed this. But from the poster on About Time, it's rated R? No. There's no nudity. What the hell for? I mean, there's probably casual cursing. There's no like violence or anything. Maybe just got to be the cussing. But I can't even tell you it's overly cussy. Huh. Yeah, that's a surprise. Surprising. Anyway.
3: Mm.
1: Anyway.
2: (laughs) Do you know where you stand? I do. Would you like to go first or shall I? I'll go first. All right. It's certainly not
3: being launched into the sun. But something's gotta get burnt and it's time traveler's wife. There is there is enjoyment to be had. I did find myself kinda being a little more nitpicky with it than I was expecting, but you know, there's there's plenty there to enjoy, but also it just it it's one of those things. When it comes to a trifecta and how strong the other two are, like something's gotta go. Mm hmm. So let's you know we break it down. About time, your name. I got an old favorite and now a new favorite. It, you know, about time is like always going to have a, sp- a special spot for me. So there, there's that like you know um, emotional connection to it. But I also like have seen it three times now and just enjoy it just as much every time. It's like one of those movies I wish like I could I could wipe from my memory only sure. to rewatch it to have that experience again. Yeah. And then you watch something like Your Name where I'm like, I mean, I'd like to think I'm more than just a casual anime fan, but I really just like haven't seen enough. And it, then I see something like this. and I'm like, God damn, I got to get out there and watch more because it's like, <laughs> I think this that's is what makes people there.
2: like you and I casual anime fans yeah. that we haven't it's, seen a lot. <laughs>
3: yeah, it's just like if this stuff's out there and I, I got to see it and something like this mind blowing. And even for me, it's like it's such a good payoff because I knew you liked it and it's been like kind of like in our vernacular for a while. It's like always one of those ones to see. And then um, it's kind of just like mind blowing and how good it is going with my gut. It's still going to be about time is my buy. Cause it's just, to me it is that good. And it's that it, it means that much to me. I, I, you know, I didn't even get into it, but it's like, you know, things I think about like with my life and just like, you know, The whole, like, losing of your parents is something that is always a factor for me when watching movies, and this, like, just gets me in the heartstrings so much that it'll just always... It'll always have a special place in my heart because of the emotional factor and because it is just so well-made. And then Your Name would be The Borrow, even though I have purchased it, because (laughs) it's, it's just excellent. And I could feel like... This your name could win could win out in so many trifectas on this show, regardless of what it's being matched up against because it is that good. Tough competition this episode, yeah. But it's just to to me about time is is like that
2: special that just
3: just 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 nudges
2: it out. I want to see the movie where Joe Daxberger has to go back in time and like help Tony take care of his kids or something one evening, and then has to come back to the present and find a way to meet Megan a second time because you missed out on that first time the second time around. <laughs> oh that would be wild. <laughs> I want to see that movie.
3: Yeah. I like it.
2: Yeah, I Here we go. I don't know where you're going. I really love all three of these. hmm Like I think recently we did um was it on Bruce to the future where you came right out of the gate and were like, these this is three five star movies. Yeah. And um you know i i don't know if i would have said that time traveler's wife was a 5 for me the first time around because i had you know forgotten so much about it but i really do truly love all these i think that the one with the most nitpickable flaws is time traveler's wife not that that necessarily makes it a bad movie like i still uh-huh. can enjoy it perfectly yeah. well regardless of those things but um i I do think that that is going to end up being my burn, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Something's got to go. Yeah, and I mean, I I talked before about how I don't feel like there's a reason to have to put uh, About Time and Time Traveler's Wife in direct competition. But Mm -hmm. when I literally have to put them in direct competition, (laughs) I mean, About Time is somehow the more perfect movie.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And then similar to you, it comes down to your name and about time and i mean they're so different but also somehow so similar at the same time oh yeah and i mean your name has elements like the incredible visuals that about time doesn't have not that about time looks bad or anything but i think uh i think the thing that i'm going to have to go with when i explain why <laughs> one comes out over the other is that I love your name and how like unusual and like how many different directions it takes and how it is more of like a kind of heady sci-fi movie than the other ones. And I love that about it, but something about how simple about time is, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: it's just like, it is like a science fiction movie that doesn't feel at all like a science fiction movie somehow. Like there's a science fiction element to it, but
1: Mm
2: -hmm. it almost, it's it, it it like like I kind of insinuated earlier, like with all the elements it has of like a romantic film, it's a great movie. Whether or not the time travel is even a yeah, part of it,
3: totally, no,
2: totally, hundred percent accurate. And I I just feel like there's off the top of my head no other movie quite in the same ballpark that I can think of that does the kinds of things that About Time does so succinctly and so well and so simply, and still manages to be such like a enjoyable. Frankly, almost perfect viewing experience Preach, baby So I love both, but uh, yeah If I gotta pick, and I do gotta pick I'm gonna buy About Time Which I do own, and I'm going to (laughs) borrow Your name Which I have now, I borrowed from the library once And I have now rented on Amazon (laughs) Hmm. there you go So I could dig it,
3: look at us Yeah, once again,
2: uh, lining up, which I feel like we're doing more and more lately We definitely have We need more controversy around this goddamn show. This this will be our fourth in a row. Jeez. Well, I mean, hey. Random number, Jenny. got to throw some more curveballs at us. Let's see what's got in store (laughs) for us, old friend. All right, we got 240 potential themes waiting for us. Jesus.
3: Here we go. Oh, 22.
2: I feel like we'd never get late ones. Like, do we ever get anything in the 200s? I don't think it's happened yet. Oh, (laughs) boy, here we go. All right. Uh, number 22. Unhappy Holidays. <laughs>
3: I have not seen any of these.
2: Uh, I've seen one of them. Mm-hmm. All right. So.
3: Unhappy
2: Holidays. <laughs> that's going to be uh, episode 62. Mm-hmm. Unhappy Holidays.
3: We have not had a single thing in the 200s.
2: That's crazy. And we've had number 25 come up three times, I think, <laughs> on the quote unquote random number generator.
3: Uh huh. And he'd add 25 on 25. Our episode 25 was a
2: 25. That's wild. <laughs> I that, love that's it. completely nuts to me that we. Yeah. Like, I keep waiting for, like, oh, we come up with a theme and then we record a couple days later and, oh, that theme comes up. But nope, uh-huh. not, not happening. No. Most of the stuff we get is early, which, you know, I'm not going to complain about, but. I mean, it yeah. is quote-unquote random. I mean, that's...
3: Unless Google's trying to fuck with us.
2: We don't know what Jenny has in store for oh us. <laughs> Jenny. <laughs> I love it. Here, here. All right. Well, this was a good one. Indeed. Will the next one be as good? Oof. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Find out next time on Triple Threat Theater. Until then, my name is Ryan Miller. And I'm Joe Daxberger